Welcome to the Success System Podcast, the go-to podcast for actionable self-help information, where we provide proven success systems to help you fast-track your growth so you don't have to waste years of your life building a foundation. We believe that success is your birthright and that you are only one decision away. On last week's episode, we interviewed King Faya, who is an independent Boston-based artist and a nominee for the Boston Music Award. We talked about everything from his music journey to his weight loss journey that has led him to lose over 70 pounds. If you haven't already checked it out, we highly recommend that you check it out. On this week's episode, we'll be interviewing Armaya Do-Re-Mi, who is a daughter, social media marketer, singer, and educational consultant for Indonesian students looking to study in America. Without further ado, let me introduce you to Armaya. Hi. <laughs> What's up? It was very dramatical. A daughter. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, my name is Armaya Doremi. I am exactly what he mentioned. I'm from Indonesia. Uh, it's a beautiful country in Southeast Asia. And uh, I've been living in Boston for five years, and I'm excited to be in this podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming. Honestly, appreciate it. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And so for... Our audience who may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and give us some highlights into your journey? Yeah, um, my current background right now, it's all social media marketing. Marketing, um, I came to America to get my master's degree in communication, basically um, measuring public relation, communication. And, you know, since... 2010, uh, when I started my singing career, I was interested in social media. So like when I was in school, I know that social media is very um, demand right now. So like I studied that in school and that's how I pursue my social media market marketing thing in Boston. But my previous background is all I'm a singer. I've been singing since I was nine years old. I started by um, doing singing competitions. So since I was nine, you know, my mom put me in the singing competitions uh, and then I won several singing competitions, you know, maybe like more than 300 singing competitions. And, um, you know, I was very active already since I was young. Like I dance. I've never learned how to sing. I've never learned how to dance. It's just like, God give me that gift. Until 2010, I was in Indonesian Idol 2010. So I was the uh, workshop finalist Indonesian Idol in 2010 where I was the top 24 singer uh, from that competition, yeah. if you know American Idol. Mm-hmm. And then after 2010, you know, I started my DJ career. Yeah, and before we get into that, yeah. I would love for you to... <laughs> take a step back okay. right and let's talk about what your mindset was as a nine-year-old who um you said right <clears> you <throat> didn't know that how you could sing or dance yeah. but you were doing it anyways yeah. right and it's something that you found passion like where do you think that came from oh so it was just at a time i remember when 
when my dad lo- loved music and um, he just played some music and then he loved Western songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we live in a village. Uh, I'm, I came from the poor family. Um, at that time when I was when I was born, like nothing in there. And uh, I, I listened to my dad um, listening to like like old memory songs, old love songs like Hey Jude, you know, and then um, we started like doing karaoke. And when I started singing uh, karaoke, it was a Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. It was just there. Like when I sing, it just like sounded like Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. And then my dad was like, wow. And then he encourages me by just providing, you know, microphone and music every time I did karaoke in my house. And he helped me like putting that, okay, this is the reverb, this is the echo to make it sound like better. Uh, it was just like that, you know. I I could sing, and people started giving compliment. But I didn't know I was nine years old, and uh, because of that, I got recommended recommended from my friends. Like, okay, you can join this competition. You might want, you might win, and then I did that um, singing competition several times. And you build the community, you know. When you know that you came to one competitions, and then people start reaching out to you, like this is another competition that you need to to do mm-hmm. so it was just a natural i didn't think of it i was just like singing it and because i know that you know my family didn't have enough money so i used that as a, an advantage so every time i did competition like my goal is to bring money and then just use that money to buy food for my family mm-hmm. so for you it was more about survival and yeah using that ability yeah. to just Provide a better living for your family. Yeah. All right. Right. That's, I would say, like the spark of your inspiration yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. But again, I didn't, at that time, like you're 9, 10, 12, 15, you just, my, your mindset is, I just wanted to go through the competitions because you couldn't really work. Even though I worked since I was 15, but 10 years old, 11 years old, you're still young. Your your parents just throw you to the competition, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? So. It was like pure, I don't, I didn't think of anything. Mm. <laughs> like you didn't have any doubts or anything. It was just like, this is what I have to do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But you were feeling nervous, nervous about like competition, but it just, your life at that time, it's just competition, mm-hmm. nothing else. Mm-hmm. I'm I, sorry. I, I want to hear your voice a little bit. Cause you said you sound like Celine Dion. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Catch your lips a little bit. <laughs> uh, what song? Um, Whatever your favorite is. My fa- okay, yeah. Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. Um, Near, far, wherever you are, I believe that's the heart does go on. Once more, you open the door. And you hear in my heart and my heart will go on and go. Wow, that was Love amazing. It. I think I should yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man. <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. Kudos, kudos. And so you used the singing competition to get yourself started. And then you mentioned that you were entered DJing. So can yeah. you go into, right, like, now you're at what age, I would say? When yeah, you so I that? was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. So the Indonesian Idol, I went 
to Indonesian Island for when I was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. How did that feel like for you? Just oh, I did. I I did the competition. I did the audition seven times. Mm-hmm. It was like probably like 20,000 people from Indonesia coming in oh, wow. from different uh, provinces, like mm-hmm. states. Mm-hmm. And ever seven after seven times trying, then I got into from 2,000 to 5,000 to like 1,000. You know, like a lot of filter. Mm-hmm. And then I got into the a quarantine so like we were in the quarantine for like 300 people and then they deducted to defilter to 70 30 until 24 mm-hmm. and then 14 and then the finalists like 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 you see in the american idol but the feeling was you know when you are when you are when you're being poor um you were treated differently just because you didn't have anything. Like mm-hmm. even among your family, you know, people look at you different. Oh, she was not educated. She's from the village. Um, people don't really trust you because you don't have anything in it. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't want to listen to you. From that Indonesian idol, it brought a little bit pride for my family. And people look at me different just because, oh, she was on TV, you know, she was something because it wasn't easy to be in the television for purely like you go on an audition and then compete with thousands of people. So that was like, you know, people started like, okay, your daughter is good. Like people give you compliment, but I don't really think that as um, something good because you were looking at me down before, you know, now because you see me like this, now I understand that people will respect you if you have something. Mm-hmm. If you don't have anything, people don't really care about you. Yeah. So how did you uh, shrug off those labels that people were giving you? I don't care because um, I know when I was 15, uh, my brother died when I was 14 mm-hmm. and we didn't have anything. We, we couldn't, we barely eat. And then my mom uh, had to work as a maid, like housemaid, to just pay for my school. Yeah. Uh, when I was so when I was four, fifteen, my my brother died when I was fourteen. So I felt like at that time I already knew that I needed to step up to yeah. take up take care of my family because I know my sister wouldn't do it. Um, you know, I was the witness of like my parents, for example, fought several times, and I feel like I just needed to do it because I knew that if my brother had alive that he would have done the same so i worked i worked since i was 15 like uh being a sales promotion girl i was in the mall like f- like handling flyer you know from from 8 9 a.m to 9 p.m and then i got like 10 dollars a day and for three days so like a, a week i'm bringing like 30 bucks and then i split that money to, with my mom and you know i'm a muslim uh, there is a saying in Muslim that if you take care of parents, every money or everything that you put it into your family is going to be doubled by God. And that's my principle. So when the first money I gave it to my mom and God gives me more and more and more. And that's like made me what? Wow, this is like a magic. Now, since I was 15, I already knew that I need to contribute to this family. Then this is like what I'm doing. And, um, that's what I've been doing for, for from 15 years old to provide my family since like until right now. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what was that experience like for you? Right. I know that you mentioned that 
you felt the need to really step up and take that place and do the things that you felt that your brother your brother would do. But I can only imagine that was a difficult thing to do, right? And mm-hmm. that you were still a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. So just like in terms of how you were feeling, what that was in terms of like the mental battles that you were going through. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So the mental battle is was when you knew that you know, your parents couldn't pay for school, for example. Like, it was embarrassing because principal called me several times. And my mom had to work as a housemate. Like, she was cleaning someone's house and get money for it. And then the money is for my school. And it hurt me. And when I saw that and I decided to, you know what, I'm not going to make my mom's work anymore. Not, like, since I saw it. And uh, that's, like, my mental state that I had to I I didn't have any regret. I did it from the bottom of my heart, wholeheartedly. So I didn't have any burden or regret, you know, to do that for my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know not many people can do that, you know, for when, I, when you were 15. Um, you know, after Indonesian Idol, I had to, you know, being a DJ, I'm a DJ. Since after to Indonesian Idol, I need to work in the uh, hotel as a resident DJ. You know, you work from 8 p.m. to uh, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. You know, when people sleep, you wake up. And when you wake up, people sleep. And being in that mindset that you are 16, 20, 19 years old, you are a DJ. And you had to deal with, you know, like all other people who like you. Like, you know, oh, you're sexy. Can I get your number? Mm-hmm. Blah, blah. So that that was a challenge part. For the mental health thing, like I didn't have any battle I just did it because I wanted, and I knew I, I'm happy doing that for my family, and I just wanted to be better how I can provide for my family. But like the challenge, be a DJ outside when you are young, you know, especially I didn't have a car. I used to ride my motorbike, and imagine, you know, it, I live in a village, but I work in the city, so it's like twenty minutes, thirty minutes driving a motorbike at two a.m. in the morning. Wow. I didn't know what my parents thought about me, but I knew that they supported me. And then also, when you're poor in the family, you don't have that harmonized relationship. You don't say, I love you. Like, it's very Asian thing. You don't say, you don't say I miss you to your parents. You just deal with it, you know? So, to answer your question, I didn't have any. It's just like I had to do it, and I was happy to do it. And, um Yeah. Yeah, because I think a lot of people they're they're either given that responsibility, they're forced upon them, and there's regret. It's like yeah. oh, I didn't get to live out my life because I was doing this for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I didn't get to choose. Yeah. But you made that choice. I made a choice yeah. for and myself, I, and I think that's important because you set the intention, made the choice, and you didn't let anything stop you. No, right? no. And, and it sounds like to you there wasn't really, you know, it was just this is what it was. Yeah, right? there was no other option, and so there was no fighting internally for yourself no. to go after with the things that you want because you understood I'm doing this for a bigger purpose. Yeah. Right? And, and one of the things we talk about the podcast is having a big vision of where you want to go in life. And I think that was, you know, that might've been one of your big vision at that age. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, I want to be the person that provides mm-hmm. and it allowed you to go and, and take this journey. Right. Not, you can't really look at the dots looking forward. You can look at the dots looking backwards. And so, you know, you know, we're only at the DJ part. Where, where did you go next after that, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're a singer, you know, you have this talent, and then you're like, you know what, let's do competitions. No excuses, do it. And then, mm-hmm. then we're like, you know what, I like the DJ. I can see myself doing it. Let's do that. And then now, where did you go from there? 
after DJ, I've been DJ from 2010 to up now, maybe like 13 years, like 13 years sleeping at 5 a.m. Yeah. Because after I travel a lot, like I barely at home. I live in a village um, and then I move, I mig- migrated to the capital to because if you want to have a better career, like let's say you go to L.A. Yeah. So I went to the capital after, you know, like saving some money. Like we weren't from $10 to $100 for one gig. And then I just like tried to make it work for my family. And I met, migrated to the capital. And I travel a lot. Like I travel a lot for 13 years. You know, weekend, never been at home. Always show. When you do a show, you fly at 6 a.m. And you arrive there in the afternoon. You check sound. You sleep. You eat. At 10 p.m., you do your makeup. At one, you had a show until two, three. At five, you sleep for ter- for like thirteen years, um, and after that, with that money, I paid my school by myself for my undergraduate uh, in public relation, um, and after that, I joined political party. Uh, in the political party, um, you know, my boss he was the the uh, the leader of that political party, one of the leaders, and then he said. Um, You need to be in the politics so that you have a better future. And if you still want to sing, you can sing later. So I was in that political party for seven years, um, helping just like being in the community. And I love it because I love helping people. I'm, I love like being in the community, you know, because I've been there. Like I'm, I'm poor, so I love helping poor people as well. Even though I'm not giving money, but my contribution was maybe singing and then entertain them or being there with them whenever my The political party has an event, and with that seven years dedication, then that person sent me to America to get my master's degree because he knows that I could be successful, and it was a good investment for him. It was worth it for him to just like send me, mm-hmm. even though at that time I couldn't speak English. Yeah. And so, what were some of the fears that you had, like before you made that transition, like going to a new country, not knowing anybody? Like, was there? Like I know, throughout your childhood, there was no excuses. You just got it all done. But did you see that as a big challenge for yourself? Family, because first he wanted to send me to Australia, and I said, okay, four hours. Indonesia to Australia was four hours, and I think I could deal with that to not being able to with my family for hours. I think my my mom can fly, and when he decided to go to Boston, oh, twenty four hours. I was like, oh my god, is it, is it serious? And he said, yes, yeah, serious. Boston, United States. I was like, wow, and I didn't have a choice because uh, he helped me a lot for seven years. And you know what? I'm going um, with zero English. And I told him, "Is it true?" And he said, "Yes." Can you provide me or help me with English course? Because at the time I couldn't afford, you know, two thousand dollars private uh, English course. And he said, "Yes." And starting in that time, that I think changed my mindset a little bit like that's i've been working hard since i was nine years old 15 but i didn't know i didn't label it as working hard because i had to do it mm-hmm. when you you and you've been working as a dj for 13 years you enjoyed it 
people see it as working hard. I see it as this is I need to do. I don't label it as work hard, focus, you know, but people see it as that. But when I learned English for one year, I stopped working. I stopped singing. I don't fly. I started, um, I studied English since, um, from 10 a.m. when the English school, English school opened until it's closed. And after, uh, when I, when I get back home, I studied the grammar TOEFL until 2 a.m., like for one year. Wow. Yeah. Vacation. Yeah. Resilience. Absolutely. And I'm just curious, right? So now that you're in Boston and you're 24 hours away from your family members, <laughs> right? Did you still feel that sense of familial expectation where it was, I have to make it here because I need to give back to the family? Of course. Yeah. Um, especially my mom, uh, two of my, both of my parents right now are disabled. Uh, my mom broke her knee when eight months after I left her. And my dad, a couple of months ago, um, she, he he fell down and then he broke his whatever knee so they couldn't do it um so i, I haven't seen my family for four years since COVID. but then in august i I met them for an hour eh, for for a month uh and i saw that you know i told like basically I, right now i can i couldn't do anything instead of money so both of I, I appreciate what my parents do, my family do, because they want it to be with me. But if I'm there, our life is not going to be the same. The only thing that I can provide them, provide them is when I'm here, you know, getting a little more money and then send it back to Indonesia. Uh, what we do is just like communication, you know, video call. And sometimes I'm sad if I, if I, hold on. <laughs> no, do you think? Oh, no, yeah. You're good. It's okay. No, Let it out. I'm sorry. No, you're perfectly There's fine. no need to apologize. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, when, like yesterday, um, uh, I called my mom. I said, is everything okay? And she said, okay. That, uh, yeah, is everything okay? And she said, yeah, but I have a cough. Like, I'm sick. And then but every time she said that he's sick, she's sick. I call her like, what's going on? And she, she couldn't even talk. And I couldn't even cry in front of her because I don't want her to know that I'm also like sad, you know? So she, my parents never know if I have a problem. Mm-hmm. My parents never know how I feel like when, let's say if I broke up with someone and it hurts me, they don't know. If I got rejected from the job, they don't know. If I have a problem in, in the company, they don't know because I don't want to add more you know, burden to my family. Mm-hmm. So know? how do you deal with all that emotional angst? And, and well, God, like I I pray, you know, yeah, I, um, like when people talk about mental health, I believe that I'm a believer. So I believe that every time that I ask God and he give me that power. So I, I accept, like acceptance is really important. So I, Accept the fact that, okay, this is my life and I know I make mistakes. Like, I always pray every day, like, God, um, I just want to be a better person and have family to take care of. And I just want my parents to have a health and I want God to give, you know, um, happiness for my parents, for my sister, because I can't be there with them. And every day, 
what I'm thinking is that what if something happened with my parents, but I cannot be there because it's 24 hours, you know. So my family is just like people who I can count that I trust that that's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I love that because there's a lot of passion in your voice. There's a lot yeah. of passion yeah. in what you do, and it's not easy because it sounds like you know you've built a support system here, but you know it's nothing like having your parents right next to you, right? Yeah, and having that support and the people who love you, the people who saw you from growing up, and and it sounds like you were doing this for all of them too. At the end of the day, like you, you're a really big family person, and you know I think even for the audience, it's important to have you know having something that you believe in more than yourself so you can continue to move forward because you know this life is not easy and you know even though social media and all that show all the the glamour and whatnot it's we also understand it's only one part of it we were hiding away from the the other part yeah and family is the one who always been there for you you know like they always be there for me like every time i call them they always even my mom my mom i don't know in your in america like in 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 general in muslim like in islam like when your mother give birth so basically we owe them we owe our mother because the mother carry us for nine months and that's why we need to respect in islam we need to respect and you cannot even against your mother you have to love them even my mom uh, apologized to me several times like i'm sorry i've been uh just I've been distracting your life. Like, I just want to say thank you that you're taking care of me. But, you know, without you, I don't know what to do. So like, my mom s- say that to me. And then I said, don't say that to me. Even she feel like this is too much for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I took it off all family, you know. And it's just like, I don't, I don't mind doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't have a burden. Even American mm-hmm. people say that. Don't you think your parents... So basically, there's one person told me, don't you think your parents use you? Like, what the hell is that? Like, are you serious? Don't you think, like, they are parents. They've been in your age. Don't you think you're, you give them, you spoil them to make them like, okay. But try to not giving them money. They will survive anyway. So that mindset mm-hmm. that someone asked me, like, what if you did that? your parents is going to find way anyway. But mm-hmm. I don't want to do that because I made that decision that I want to take care of them. Yep. Yeah. And it's going against your belief at the end. Yeah, of yeah. I'm, I'm just curious, right? Um, <coughs> My makeup is broke. Oh, no. I don't think it's Honestly, fine. You're, you're perfectly fine, right? <laughs> this is what we want, you know? We, we tell people all the time, it's like, there's no need to ever apologize for being vulnerable because mm-hmm. vulnerability is not a weakness, mm-hmm. right? Vulnerability is a source of strength. It's also understanding that the reason why you're having this reaction because this is real for you, right? It's authentic. It's the passion that you have, and that's what this space is for, right? We don't want you to ever feel like you need to always be perfect because mm-hmm. no one's perfect, mm-hmm. right? Once you're perfect, you're no longer relatable, right? We want you to come as you are in your raw authenticity because that is the realest version of yourself, mm-hmm. Right. And with that being said, I just want to gain some insights. Right. I know that you it seems like you've had a lot of experiences with your parents that are very different from, I'd say, what most Americans go through. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know you touched upon the um, the difference in the expectation coming from a Muslim family as opposed to being in a 
family raised in America in terms of what exactly is the obligation from child to parent. But then you also just brought up that conversation that your mother had when she essentially attempted to ease you of whatever burden it may seem like she's causing onto you. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, did you feel any senses of relief or any senses of completion when that conversation happened, right? Knowing that at such a young age, you decided that I was going to be this person for my family Mm -hmm. and to have all these years go by and for your mother to be like, thank you so much for everything you've done for me. Um, I don't need her thanks. You know, even didn't thank me, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Because um, I know that they raised me. Well, to be honest, I like my, my dad never taught me, like, for example, sitting on the table and then teach me things. No. My, my mom was always, like, wanted me to be better. But you are poor anyway. So, like, there is no support that your parents can get because there is no money on the table. And I did it by myself and everything by myself. And they didn't really raise me like, hey, do this like other parents raised. But with my chaos situation, with our chaos situation, that's how they raised me. With really, really seeing what happened during that family. And this is it, you know. And then I had to face it. And I'm glad that it happened because it made me be a, different person than the among the other people you know and i wanted to be like this i wanted to be i want help people you know um you know i i like every month um i also go nurture a relationship with orphanet in my village so like every time i send money i also send money to orphanet just not that much but that's like my obligation to the kids who don't have any parents and don't have money, and then I just want to share it. So, like, when people think that money is not, like, money is money is important, but to me, money is important by itself, that it's not everything because, it, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you have if you don't have dignity, integrity, if you're not kind, if you don't have compassion. Like, I don't respect those people, you know, um, because I believe... You can be happy anyway. You cannot be happy if you don't have money. That's true. But like in our in our family, we didn't have money, but we we survive anyway. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you make do with what you have at mm-hmm. the end of the day, right? Because you only know what you know, and so right, it's always greener on the other side, right? People always want to choose, like you know, once I get this, once I get that, I'll I'll be happy, but. You know, once you get it, it's still like there's always something else that you have to go and get happy. And, you know, I think we always talk about like happiness is the way. Right. Enjoy what you have now. Be good to people right now. Love right now. And, you know, money solves problems, but not all problems at the end of the day. But don't get me wrong. You need to be ambitious. You need to, you know, you -hmm. you need to ambitious. But there are different two types. uh, There are two types of. There are two different things about ambitious, right? You're ambitious, but sometimes people like love money so much that they forgot about other thing. You can be ambitious with the things to generate money, but you cannot be ambitious with money and then you neglected everything. For example, neglecting your health, your family. You know, that's I think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Even though for some people it's right because what they think about how I can get more money, yeah. which is normal. It motivates them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's not for everybody. Yeah, right? it's like. I think that's the biggest thing. 
So I, I'm curious to know, like, what I know religion is a big aspect for you and keeping you motivated, but I'm curious to know what else do you use to keep yourself grounded in your mission of your hair in America working um, and you're also supporting your family back in Indonesia. Um, so what do you do to keep yourself grounded so that you don't get stressed out or overwhelmed with the expectations you've placed on yourself? Um, mindset, like instead of praying, uh, I have this vision and thanks to my, my, my C, the CEO of the Live Fresh Pasta that all the materials of self-development that he gave it to me. So every single day, I just want to be better. Um, I want to be different. Uh, I don't smoke. I don't drink alcohol. Don't know the disrespect with all the people who did that. But again, like according to based on it's because of the religion that I don't want to do it. I just want to be different and I want to have I can't afford to let's say have fun every weekend and then be at home at three AM but at the same time I also have I want to create something in America. So like that focus um and that vision, that goals that I want to achieve, that's like the things that I'm holding on to. Uh because I can't, for example, if I want to, if I have a project, social media project in the weekend, I would rather work than uh, going out. So like that vision that I wrote it down in my, let's say, in my in my wall, um, that's like what the things that I'm always like, remember, I want to be better. I want to be this one. I want to be this so one. So can you tell us a little bit about that vision? What does is, what is your vision five years look like for you in building what you're building? Well, in in... Personally, I want to have a family. Mm-hmm. I want to have a family. I want to have kids. Um, even th- even that, if I can't have that in two years, I would be happy. But like, now I'm thinking like, okay, if I want to be a wife, then I can't be in the club at 2 a.m. Who's going to marry me? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that kind of like uh, things. And then, okay, if I want to have kids, then, okay, I'm 34. Now I'm thinking about, to be honest, like freezing eggs because now – you know, I have friends who are doctor, and I didn't know I was ignorant about that. And then she told me this, and then I was like, you know what? You know what? Uh, it's gonna be my goal, 2024. You know, um, I don't know if this is something that people talk about it, but if that's gonna make me, uh, if that if that's gonna make me uh, achieve my goals, I don't mind doing that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. open that mindset. Um. And for example, if I want to be, if I want to get a promotion to my company, how I can, what are the efforts that I want to do and I have to just like work for that, mm-hmm. you know? So that's my personal goal, my financial, uh, my professional, I would love to have, you know, um, like a restaurant. Really? <laughs> Indonesian restaurant. It's stupid. It's, not, it's, it's uh, definitely not stupid. Not you know, there's no Indonesian restaurant here. I would love to have something. I would love to bring Indonesian culture into Boston. It's just a goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll see if, how it goes. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming you were looking for stuff here to get a little bit of taste of home. Yeah. 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 I cooked. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. I was also wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the work that you do now with Indonesian students who are looking to come to America. Yeah. So I... Uh, I forgot to tell you, in 
uh, with with limited amount of English, uh, I was the best student uh, in my program, mm -hmm. and I got a top recognition of the year uh, in 2020-2021 because my last project was uh, astonishing, mm -hmm. and I got that reward from the uh, from the school, and I was the commencement speaker, so it was the first That's Indonesian amazing. commencement speaker, um, and that was like a biggest achievement for me as it was a viral in Indonesia because they knew my story. Mm -hmm. They knew that I was a DJ. This was, a, when I when I said I was handling flyer, it was a, a joke in, in Indonesia. It, it's like, it's not it's not a real job. Yeah. When you have to wear your heels and then handing flyer. So now when they look at me, look at, she was a sales promotion girl at that time. Mm -hmm. She was a DJ and she was a, a singing, a cafe singer. She was a wedding singer. Look at her now. So like people who knows my story now, they are com comparing that. Um, and um, after I finished school, like two months before I graduated, I was thinking like how I can contribute to my people. And I wanted to share my story to them. So I created this, it's called Study with Armaya. So I just created a page at that time. The name was like study in USA or something like that. And then I switched it, you know, why don't I, I, I write study with Armaya. So I created a webinar. Uh, the, the first webinar was how to prepare to study abroad. Mm -hmm. And then seven people coming in and I had my webinar like for four hours nonstop. No one's left hearing me talking. And I was like, well, this is good. And I make next, the next week, I created the how to prepare to study abroad part two and I put it in social media and then double people coming in for that. hours. Mm -hmm. No one's left. And you know what? I'm going to create this. Uh, I'm going to help them by having this online webinar. So I have uh, on curriculum and from the free one. Now I'm charging them, for example, for I have a VIP webinar where they can come every month and then practice English. So I want to share my experience. This is how you do it if you want to learning English faster. And I'm giving them motivational thing, um, and then step and like step. I'm not an English teacher, but I'm, I'm I'm I coach them how to build their confidence because it's okay to just to, to say something with the grammar, Incorrect. wrong grammar, mm -hmm. because people will not judge you. Mm -hmm. This mindset with Indonesian people that need to fix, and that's how I give it to them yeah so you give them you don't come in as i'm going to teach you how to speak no. perfect english i come in i'm going to give you the confidence so that exactly. you can go and chase what you need what yeah. you want in life yeah and i think that's that's perfect because you're just providing value along the way of helping yeah. them on their journey and giving back in any way that you want to give back mm -hmm. is there anything that you feel as if you can now do for someone who came from the same circumstances as you um, and to clarify, for instance, like now that you've made it this far, right? Now that you're no longer the flyer promotion girl, right? Now that you're no longer that nighttime DJ, now that you're no longer the, the girl who was going to a country where she didn't know the language, right? Is there anything that you feel like you stand for in your own journey for those little girls who may still be back in that village, who don't know if they can make it to America, who don't know if they can go in? fulfill um, their dreams, those girls who may not know if they'll ever see outside of the village? I would say it, 
I could do I can't I can't I could do something but if you're in the village the problem is the system mm. the problem is I never read books when I was in the village like even my nephew my niece right now every time I told them you need to study otherwise I'm not sending you money mm -hmm. so now I need to tell them like I'm gonna stop the internet if you don't read books yeah. I'm not gonna send you money if you I can't do this guys mm -hmm. you know like I need to do that but at that time when I was in my position no one's did that like no one's really give me a reward things because there is no money my parents there's no money my father you know um so I think um it's also like com com community if you can contribute more to the community and then maybe parents because if you're from the village there is no way unless you get out of that village mm -hmm. so i what i could do is really getting into if i have enough money if i have enough like source getting into that village and then motivate um, uh, motivate all the people in the village uh, provide them with things this is like what politicians do that's why like my dream when i was in indonesia i wanted to be a politician so that i can have a, if i have power and money i can use that to help people mm -hmm. if you don't have money it's really limited so i you know i'm hoping in the future i could be a leader uh indonesian leader one mm -hmm. of indonesian leaders who can create as uh, like a law or who have that power to distribute those concept and then going to the village and helping them with with education mm. which some some villages or some places in indonesia or in other country i believe they have like a free school or whatever but there is something that people don't touch based on which is the mindset mm -hmm. no matter how many programs you put in that village when people don't change their mindset they will not get it same like you know let's say a man like men will not change if he's not ready. So no matter this girlfriend do something <laughs> to him, if he doesn't want to change, he's not, not gonna change. Not at all. So like that mindset need to change first. And how you change the mindset by leading by example. Mm -hmm. And that's why like this Indonesian students they look they they look at me like like a wow like oh my god I want to be with you because they know the result. And I told them this is what I did. And I told them if you really want to speak English, you need to speak English. And you don't. You don't have to be shy and you don't have to gossip in in the coffee shop for two hours you rather just do two hours studying rather than gossiping with your friends you know yeah. that's what yeah. i told them and it's okay okay because yeah. it's every day it has to be repetition yeah. to for you to be to create a good habit yeah, yeah, yeah. um great quote from zig ziglar reputation um yeah. is the father of action and the mother of learning and so yeah. You know, it's understanding that whatever you decide to do in your life, it's you have to do it every day. Yeah. It can't be like, oh, I did it one day this week or I did, you know, oh, I started. Right. It has to be. No, this is my identity. And I think you said it, it has to start with your mindset and accepting this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. And no matter what, there's no excuses for me not to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I also just want to thank you so much for oh, it's all, done? all of the insights you've been giving us. Um, we are coming to the end of our time. I know you love to stay here forever because we're amazing. And so are you, of course. Um, but I just want to know, where can the audience find you? How can they connect with you? In what ways can they help you in your contributions that you're making? Uh, well, they can find me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's armayadoremi, A-R-M-A-Y-A-D-O-R-E-M-I. I'm looking for any any native speakers who wanted to connect with my community. 
um, so that they can speak because um, I want them to experience how it feels to speak with native speakers. You know, every in my VIP webinar, I have a program called Speaking with Native Speakers where the native speakers coming in, talk to them, uh, giving them perspective about life. So even though they are in Indonesia, they feel like a taste of Boston. Mm -hmm. So that's why, uh, that's why, that's what my program um, good for them because oh, Armaya is providing not only her but also like people from Boston. So if anybody wants to be part of, you know, uh, call it motivational speaker in my program, you can reach out to me. Perfect. Love that. And there you guys have it. Of course, you can always reach out to any of us as well, whether you're stuck on your journey looking to really cultivate that big vision or whether you just want to come on the podcast and share your story. We'd love to have you. You can reach out to us on the Success System Podcast Instagram page. That's at Success System Podcast. Or you can reach out to any of us individually. You can find me myself on Instagram and or TikTok at I am Coach DT. That's D as in David, T as in Thomas. You can also reach out to me on X, formerly known as Twitter at DT Speaks underscore. And you can find me on IG, Coach Amadeus, A M A D U S E U S. And you can connect with me on Instagram at I am Sherry J, S H E R R I J. And as always, guys, this has been the Success System Podcast. We are way too spicy, and we want you to know that success is your birthright and that you are only one decision away. Keep it spicy. And we will see you when we see you. Pop out.